Fudger moves on in and he scores! The line today. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Pod Street Bullies. My name is Derek. And I am John. What's going on, everybody? And our producer, as always, Mr. Nat Marlowe. Gentlemen, what's up? How we doing? Just peachy. Just Living the dream, peachy. Nat. Living <laughs> the dream. No sarcasm ha- at all. Happy uh, happy post-Halloween to you, too. Yes, happy post-Halloween. Was it a good one for you and the family? Yeah, it was all right. You know, it was actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. We were still able to take Reagan trick-or-treating, and everybody had, like, little stations set up, like, away from their house where you went and you grabbed a candy. But then Reagan would, like, grab a few, and i go, Reagan, you're only supposed to take one. And then she'd put them back. I'd go, well, you're not supposed to t- put them back now either. Like, oh, uh-huh. you know, now you're giving people the Coronas. She's got it know. right, though. She's got it right. Let's be honest. Everybody that says take one, please, everybody knows you're not just taking one. Right. But one thing I did find out, you know, again, I live in Long Island, New York. I am known as the flyer house. That's very honorable. Yeah. That's a good thing. I was walking with her trick or treating and I had my flyers hat on and a bunch of people kept going, oh, you're the flyers house. Damn right. I'm the flyers house. (laughs) Stupid Islander fans. You're the flyer aficionado in Long Island. Yeah, there was two kids that came up wearing Islanders jerseys for candy, and I told them they had to either sing me a song or uh, recite a poem if they wanted candy. Did they do either? No, they just looked at me terrified. I hope you didn't give them candy then. <laughs> no, I had to. Uh, I had to. I didn't need the cops to. called on me. What, because you didn't give your kid candy? That's not their right. Screw them. I don't know. I mean, it just it brings up questions that I don't want to answer. What, you didn't give it to them because they were Islanders fans? Simple enough. They didn't sing me a song? I mean, yeah. there's. I think there's more questions there. There's no right for them to have that candy. I'm just putting that out there. No. All right. Well, it is a pandemic after all. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm I don't right. feel comfortable with you Islander fans taking my candy. Yeah, like they took. I don't our... know where your hands have been. <laughs> yeah, they took our chances away at an Eastern Conference Finals, so taking their chance away from getting candy. Screw the Islanders. Yeah. Anyway, screw them. ditto. Anyways. Other things. We're going to get down to business here, folks. And by business, I mean what we talked about last week. There was an interesting little tidbit that came from our newly appointed producer, Nat, here, that I just want to play back for you guys real quick. So, without further ado, here's the clip from last week's show that we're about to debate. What is this team going to look like three years from now? Because I don't see Claude Giroux being here three years from now, neither do I see Jake Voracek and then Sean Couturier as well. That's a whole other discussion for another day. Did you just say you can't see Sean Couturier being here for three years? It's a possibility. Oh, boy. It's, oh, baby. It's on the lower end of possibility. You're fine. Like I said, another discussion for another day. <laughs> like Nat said, another discussion for another day, but that day is today. So, Nat, you have the floor here, and I want you to explain to us your thought process behind saying that Sean Couturier may not be with the Flyers in three years. Floor is yours, my friend. I feel like I gotta get the court TV room music going. I feel like I'm being put on blast here. That's why we've got you to add it in post production. <laughs> Fair enough. That's true. There you go. I'll work my magic as I always do. Um, anyway, when I take a look at a team, teams change constantly, and look at how much. The Flyers have changed three years ago to now. A lot of moves have been made. 
when I was throwing names out there of ways that the Flyers could be making any type of roster move or changes, the big two that came to mind were Clojure and Big Voracek. Because those are probably the big two I don't see being here over the next three years. A lot of it is because, I mean, Voracek, is he declining? I mean, that is, you know, we'll have to wait to see about that. And Giroux, you know, he's been here forever, still hasn't won a cup. He might want to go somewhere where he has a better chance of winning a cup, especially when he's not in his prime anymore. When it comes to Sean Couturier, when I threw that name out there, I'm not trying to be Nostradamus or anything like that. So, oh, he's definitely getting moved. He's not going to be here three years from now. I'm not making that a prediction. When I mentioned his name of him potentially not being here three years from now, I'm more so looking at it like as a 10 to 25% chance. More than likely, I think he's going to be here. It was more so a name that I threw into the mix as opposed to some random name like, I don't know, Morgan Frost, perhaps. Okay. So that's why that's part of the reason why I threw Katuria in there, mostly to get a bigger name in there. But I'm not I'm not betting the house on Sean Katuria not being here. But one thing I think we do have to look at is that, you know, hockey is parody, hockey is wacky. As much as we want Sean Katuria to be here three years now, and most likely that is going to happen, there is a possibility he might not be here three years from now because his contract expires in twenty twenty two. What if is gonna feel burned out? I, I, I don't see any situation where the Flyers are going to trade him. I don't see any type of scenario like that happening unless somehow Fletcher just completely misreads the entire situation and pulls a major F up. Like I said, low, low end of the possibility, but I just don't see that happening. With his contract expiring in 2022, what if he doesn't want to sign here again? What if he wants to sign with a team that's going to give him a better chance of winning a cup? What if the Flyers are still in cap hell? Sean Couturier wants more money because he's only making $4.3 million right now, and he's done a lot for this team over the past three years, especially considering where he started in his career to that breakthrough he had in the 2017-2018 season. And he's won a Selkie since then. He's going to want a bigger payday, right? Oh, so for sure. That is mostly my consideration. Not my I don't, I don't want to say my argument, but my consideration for Sean Couturier not being here three years from now. Because right. there are a lot of situations that could happen, but I'm not putting the house on it by any means. To kind of build off your point about how a lot of things change within three years. So I'm looking right now at the 2016-17 Flyers roster. And just real quickly, I'm going through the top 10 games played. One of them is a consistent healthy scratch in Shane Gostisbehere. Wayne Simmons was third. Pierre-Edouard Belmar was fifth. And they were all tied with 82. Coming in at 81 games... Dave Haxtell's favorite guy, Chris Vandevelde. <laughs> Braden Shen at 7 was 79. And then you had ugh, Starfish Andrew McDonald at 73 games. You're right. To your point, you are very correct in the fact that there are there is a lot of turnover when it comes to roster from year to year because you're also looking at guys like Gudis, Brandon Manning, Dale Weiss, Matt Reed, Nick Cousins. The list goes on. I mean, we could <gasps> dissect you stop this. stop saying those curse words? <laughs> you're going to have to label <laughs> this one explicit. Um, Roman Lubimov, how's that one? That's like the oh, F boy. <laughs> but yeah, that worked out well. You're right. Now, the thing with this is, and you could make an argument, Giroux and Couturier's contracts are up in the same offseason. Giroux will not settle for $4 million, I can tell you that right now. Couturier is going to need a substantial raise. Is there any possibility of the Flyers being able to keep both of those guys at the same time without really Busting the cap. 
So, first of all, there actually is no guarantee that that kind of money won't bring Claude Giroux back. Because we don't know what kind of decline this guy is going to have over the next three years. $4 million, though, that's a huge fall from eight, eight and a quarter. Well, when you go to, towards the tail end of your career, I mean, he's already over 30, right? So he's old. When you start going towards the tail end of your career, it comes, it becomes more where do you want to play? right and what are you willing to settle for you know it could be a position where it's like the flyers are going all right you know we don't want you to leave you're our captain you're a face of our franchise but this is what we're willing to pay you because the production's just not there anymore you know if you really think you're going to be able to go get more elsewhere be my guest but i don't really think that it's out of the realm of possibility yet just because we don't know what kind of decline this guy's going to have You've seen it in the past couple of years, and I mean, this using this past year is kind of bad for reference because they didn't play a full slate of games, but two years ago, 102 points, 85 last year, and then 53 and 69 games this year. So right. yes, there is the decline, if you want to argue that statistically, but at the same rate, look at the years prior to the 102-point season. You had 73, 67, 58, and then he almost doubled his point totals from 2016-17. You could attribute it to a better team. They made the playoffs that year. Whatever you better want to Better team attribute. coming back from injury, too. Agreed. You know, And then you look at, honestly, that lockout-shortened season in 2012-2013. He was a point-per-game player there. Same with the year after that. He scored 86 and 82. Yeah, so, but now we're going a long time ago. You're right. Um, we are. Well, but at the same rate, it's like... Finding a trend with this guy is getting really difficult because he'll have a down year, but then he has a huge year, and then he has a good year, and then he has a bad year, and it's like, it's just so up and down. The guy could very well be 35 years old putting up 80 points a season. He could also be putting up 40. Like, I don't, I can't make any assumptions off of just his track record. Right. I guess, you know, I still have a a poor taste in my mouth after the playoffs. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm worried that that's going to be the new Claude Drew, and I know that's unfair. And I know it's it's really not fair to judge somebody on their playoff performance, especially when they had a bunch of months off. But mm-hmm. I do think that just this conversation brings up a really important thing with the Flyers. <laughs> is There's a huge gap, and I think I've said this before, between kind of our core players and our up-and-coming players. It's like in the time that we still have... Claude Giroux or Jake Voracek at their close to best, our supporting cast, our young players, are still just not quite there yet. Where you almost need to assess, like maybe after this season, like if it's not working, maybe you need to get something in return for guys like Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek. And I wouldn't go as far as Sean Couturier. I'm sorry, Nat. I just, you know, and I know you kind of said that you you don't think they would trade him too. But I do think that he's going to be a cornerstone of this franchise. I think that they're going to break the bank for him because uh, of what he's he's done for this team. But the other names, it will be interesting because you get to a point where it's like, okay, if we really aren't going to win with these guys because the rest of our players just aren't there yet, maybe they're still a year or two away, maybe we have to trade them and get something in return. Now, yeah. a little tidbit here. The past three playoffs that Claude Giroux has made, he's played in 28 games and put up 12 points. Before that, you've got one, two, three, five different years where they made the playoffs. And in 50 games, he put up 61 points. Mm. One could argue that in those five years prior to the three that we're talking about, he did have a better team around him. I mean, because you're looking at the year they made the cup finals. You're looking at the year they made the second round. They were playing more than one series. With these last three, aside from this past one, they only made it one series and they only made it six games each year. Over an elongated period of time, I feel like Giroux 
does better. I think if you get him to the second, third round, past the first round, honestly, he'll put up the points. But, you know, that's the thing. You got to surround him with people that are conducive to him being able to do his thing. I think Couturier is that guy. Right. One of those guys. I think they're definitely on the right track. They're still missing that one or two, you know, pieces that could really get them over that hump and get Mike G- Hoffman. Mike Hoffman. Potentially. How are you? I'm not going to argue against that. I'm not going to argue for it either. Could happen. I mean, oh, hey, yeah. put a goal scorer with him. You, we all know he's a playmaker. He's not going to be the one scoring the goals. Give him a guy that's going to finish the play. Right. Jeruel well, set him my- up. That's my biggest worry is we're not putting pieces in place to complement our star players. Like, Claude Drew needs a goal scorer, right? I don't really see one on this team right now that's going to help him kind of prolong the best years of his career. Yeah, the same thing with that. Jake Voracek. You know, I mean, Jake Voracek is more of a playmaker than a goal scorer. Like, we need people who can put the puck in the back of the net for these guys. And what sucks is that Jake Voracek has the strong ability to put the puck in the back of the net, but he sees himself as more of a playmaker. Exactly. So it's like the mental thing, too. Identity like, there crisis. Are times where, exactly. There are times where the big three that stand out in mind to me, Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek, and Shane Gossesbear, you know, they like – playing quarterback they like passing the puck and they don't like shooting the puck like right. come on, think of how many games like you've watched or how many games you've been to where they've had golden opportunities to put the puck in the back of the net and they just overpass 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 right. i mean why do you think flyers, so many flyers fans like yell shoot all the time <laughs> right like it's, it, it's in their nature to do that because that's what they've been accustomed to just watching this team just overpass the puck right and yeah. you need somebody who's going to do more than just crash the net you know, or be like a net front presence because you need someone to kind of shoot the puck at the net for that net front presence to really work. Mm-hmm. That's not always happening. Now, the closest thing you could argue that Giroux has to a goal scorer could be Sean Couturier. We've seen his point totals jump. We've seen him score 22 goals this year, 33 last, 31 the year before that. He's coming into his own, showing us the potential that he flashed in the queue when he was in juniors. But, again... You know, he's a defensively responsible forward. He's also putting up 40 assists a year, essentially, aside from the 37 this year. I'm not going to call Couturier a playmaker, but I'm also not going to sit here and call him a sniper. You know, right. so he's he's kind of the best of both worlds. And if that's Giroux's best chance, not that Couturier himself isn't going to cut it, but he's not going to cut it as Giroux's go-to guy to score. Right. Well... While we're on, see, I, Sean Couturier, I mean, he won the Selkie for a reason. Best two-way forward in the league. Now, typically, that would go to someone like Anze Kopitar or Patrice Bergeron. Well, who has Bergeron always had? Brian Marchand. And Brian Marchand is like his sniper. Maybe the Flyers can make a move where if they were to move on from Giroux and Borjak, you can put a sniper or two around Couturier. And that would boost that line up a bunch. Because if, in retrospect, what you're looking at here is if you're going to get rid of a guy like Jake or you're going to get rid of a guy like G, you're probably going to get youth in return. You're not looking for picks. This isn't a rebuild. This is kind of a retooling on the fly, which is what something Flyers fans are used to at this point. But you're also going to look for value, and I think there is value to be had in trading those guys. It's just a matter of finding the right piece to fit your system. You know, Vino as a coach, never really had a true sniper with New York, uh, Vancouver. You know, he had the Sedin twins, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, mm-hmm. 
again, great players. This system, I don't think, needs a sniper to succeed, but it, it absolutely helps. Yeah, I mean, I look at it as, as this. You know, this year, if it ever happens, is the um, measuring stick. If they can't move forward... You know, if they can't show progress from this past season, if we end up in this area where it's like, hey, we'll win a round, maybe we'll win two rounds, but maybe not. They do need to do something with Voracek or Giroux or Voracek and Giroux because they need to bring in pieces that are going to be different. And they need to be able to trade them while there's still value. You know, my worry is we have this conversation about the value for Giroux or the value for Voracek is still pretty decent at this point. What if they have a crappy year? It's Mm -hmm. not going to be as decent. You know, then you're looking at picks. And at that point, you could be just shedding cap, and then we're in a tough spot. Yeah, because, I mean, not many teams are going to be able to accept cap hits like that, given the stagnant cap right now. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it'll be interesting. You know, I've for a few seasons now have said like I wouldn't be against moving on from a guy like Claude Claude Giroux even though you know there's a special place in my sports fan heart for him you know there comes a time where if it's just not getting you over the hill you have to move on and try something else yeah I mean hey at the end of the day the NHL's a business ah you and me both brother He's been here a long time. Longest tenured athlete in Philadelphia right now. I'm not going to sit here and say it won't be bittersweet if it happens. You know, that was the first jersey that I had. I still have my Giroux jersey that doesn't even have an A or a C on it. I was incredibly proud of the fact that I had one that didn't have the letter on it. But regardless, again, it's a business. And if they're not getting the job done, I'd expect my employer to fire me if I'm not getting my job done. I'd still be upset. But... And this is one of the most, like, ageist games. Is that what it's called, ageist, when you're, like, anti, or, like, you're against older Mm -hmm. numbers? Um, Because once you've hit 30, like, you're over the hill. And most of the Flyers' talent or potential is still a few years away from, you know, their prime. So it'll be interesting. I mean, I don't, right now, I'm not saying we should trade Claude Giroux. I'd be all right with trading Jake Voracek, but it, you know, in a year's time, it'll be an interesting conversation to have. I did love how this conversation spun from Couturier might not be here to well, Claude Giroux's damn near not going to be here. <laughs> well, because I mean, Nat pretty much just said like I didn't really mean yeah. that we should get rid of him. He just might not be here. But Nat, you should know better because this is America, my friend, where we we hang on every word you say. We take what you say, we blow it out of proportion, and we make it true. So I'm canceled. That's, you are that's canceled. the reality of the situation. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I let you down. It was nice being on here for two and a half episodes. I'm sorry. America. <laughs> We've had fun. It's been real. It's been fun. It hasn't been real fun. Get the hell out. Um, but speaking of keeping things as real as possible, folks, it's time to go to school. Class has begun. It is Flyers Realism 101 with professors Gove, Bob, and Marlowe. We're going to talk about being a realist and not being a fool, essentially. A um, few topics we want to touch on here when it comes to realistic interpretations of these topics. So the first one that comes to mind, for me at least, we're going to talk about lists. We're going to talk about a specific list that had everybody's panties in a bunch a week or so ago, that a certain defenseman was left off of. I'm talking Ivan Provorov, and I'm talking NHL Network's list of top defensemen in the league, which included names of the past, 
And you could argue that Provorov deserved to be on this list. But this is also building up to a grander scheme and grander topic that we can touch on where we overvalue the people that play for our favorite team. So John is an expert in this type of stuff. So I'm going to let him take the floor first here, make his point. We'll kind of just get some discussion going from there. Wait, I'm an expert in what? Telling people that they're full of it? That and just being a realist and making fun of the people that aren't. Well, so I do think you've kind of said both things. I think one... Flyers fans obviously overvalue their players. Every franchise does. Where it's the it's the players that you know you're you care about the most, that you see the most. And to us, right, Ivan Provorov is our best defenseman. Mm-hmm. A debate can be had on where he fits in the top twenty five, twenty, maybe twenty defensemen, but I think he belongs there. When I saw some of these names on the list, and I tried to pull it up right now just to take another look at it it was a lot of people that were probably should have been on that list like two seasons ago and maybe you know further down the line like shea weber looking at you pk suban pk suban was another one (laughs) so i don't really get their rationale but these lists have always been very faulty it's like they take the top rated guys on the nhl video games and just throw them into their list i do think that he should have been there but at the same time right you're right he's probably not as elite or up there as we as Flyer fans would like him to be or think he is at this point. What's your take on this, Nat? You saw the list. I know you know what we're talking about here. What Pro Rob being on the list, are you upset? Are you, eh, I don't care? What's your take on all of this? It's mostly, eh, I don't care. But there are definitely some names on here that are questionable. I mean, P.K. Subban probably the most questionable on this list because he did not have a good year. Suckers. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That is probably the name I would replace if you're going to put Ivan Provorov in there. But everyone else, I think you can make a case for making that list. Plus, I don't think they were snubbing him in the sense like, oh, we blatantly hate the Flyers, so we're not going to put Provorov on here. Look, (laughs) Provorov's a great player. Does he have the potential to win a Norris Trophy? Perhaps. But he's not a Norris Trophy defenseman yet. I think he's on the path of getting there if he continues progressing. But keep in mind, like there are a lot of great names on that list and now, a lot of competition. Do you have it? Do you have the list like on you right now? I do. Could you, you just to... run? Yeah, just run through the top ten real quick. The top. So they actually don't have these ranked. The uh, oh, they okay. have them listed in alphabetically. But you want me to just go through some of the names and uh, go from there? Derek, should we say? Should we play the better than Provorov game? I think we yes should do no? that. Yeah, let's do that. We're gonna play okay. the better than so Provorov through, game. But let's not get like too wordy about it. Just yes or no. Yeah, of course. All right. All right. In alphabetical order by first name: Alex Petrangelo. Worse. No. Just yes or no. Yeah. No. Ivan Provorov's not better than him. Jesus. Oh, get over it. (laughs) Next one. Brett Burns. Brett Burns. Mm, I'm going to say no. Yeah, I'm going to say no, too. Closer than Petrangelo, but no. This one, I don't know how you guys feel, but Caleb McCarr. That's a little soon. Yes, because it is too soon. I want to see a little more out of McCarr. Right. I mean, McCarr in two years, probably not, but. Yeah. If he keeps up the game, yeah. This, yeah, yes. Charlie McAvoy. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Provorov was better this year. McAvoy overall is a better defenseman, but... They're on a better team, too. Well, yeah. <laughs> you're also, what, reading the list, Nat. You're yes. reading the list. 
Well, wow. gotta turn. I'm sorry. I'll never tell you I'm stuff just, like that, Matt. Just saying. I'm I will. Just mad, I'm just mad because I had McAvoy on my fantasy team. Man. Oh, so, I get it. Okay, that's why. Uh, Dougie Hamilton. No. Mm, no. Close. No, but no. Drew Doughty. No. No. It's so hard. These West Coast teams. I mean, tracking these guys. I mean, I haven't looked up how they played this year, but I'm going to say no. Yeah. No. Eric Carlson. Yes. Oh, as of right now, yes. Offensively, Slavin. Slavin. I, I'm not like incredibly familiar tier. with him. I would yeah. say close to same tier. Yeah, I'd say if I'm taking one or the other, I'm taking Provorov. But I'm biased. John Carlson. No. John Carlson. No. Absolutely not. John Klingberg. Ooh. Dallas. No. Yeah. No. Crystal Tang. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> no question. <laughs> Mark Giordano. Oh, that's mm. all. I I have a hard time speaking ill of Mark Giordano. I don't know why. I think he's like the older cousin I always wanted. Yeah, I'm going no there too. Yeah, same. The pick behind our own Nolan Patrick, Miro Heiskinen. Oh, he's pretty good. I think same kind of premise as the uh, McCarr pick. Not saying it is too soon, but it's not as soon as McCarr. I'm going to go yes. I want to see another year or two out of Heiskanen. Morgan uh, Riley. Morgan Riley. Yeah. I don't know. That's no, not one of the choices. Just, I know. I'm just going to say no just to disagree with you. Let me go figure. Uh, I kind of already mentioned him earlier. PK. Yes. Yes, 100%. Quinn Hughes. Ooh. This is another one. Like, Love that so offense. soon. It's so soon. Ah, man. I feel like guys like Quinn Hughes, I know I'm doing exactly what I said don't do. He's got something to his game that Provorov really hasn't shown. So that's why I'm going to say yes. I mean, no. No. I'm going to say no. I don't think he's better than Quinn Hughes. You took a huge detour just to say one word there. I know. Well, yeah. I'm going to go with no. I, want. I like that offensive potential, so that's a no. Roman Yossi. No. no. Ryan Ellis. Yes? Yeah, I'll say yes, too. Close one, though. Ryan McDonough. Yeah. yeah he's yes. got a glass jaw. He's a he's a wuss. He's also played for Tampa Bay. Everybody was good on Tampa Bay. <laughs> True. <laughs> Ryan Suter. Mm. That, he, he's still good, right, Ryan Suter? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Provorov's better just because Ryan Suter's old. He's a lot like Provorov, where he just soaks up those minutes. I mean, right. That's a that's a a no, but again, a very close no. Seth so, Jones. Yeah, man, no, no, can't do it. Shea Theodore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not much. To, yes, never yeah. mind. Yes, just <laughs> Thank yes. You. Shea Weber. No. Really? No? You don't think so now? I would say yes as of right now. Maybe as of right now, but man, you still see that guy on the ice. You're scared of him. That, All right, yeah. That's an intimidating name. That's an intimidating person. No, not not yet. Victor Hedman. Absolutely no. not. <laughs> All right, last but not least, Zach Wierenski. Yep. Yeah. Like Wierenski, but Provrov. Well, that's the interesting thing with this list, right? I mean, we just – everybody that we put Provorov ahead of except for maybe two of them, we were 
like yeah he's kind of in the same category like it's so hard to pick what was it 20 guys mm-hmm. yep somebody's gonna get left off so i don't necessarily take major offense to it you gotta think plus- too including guys like quinn hughes and kale mccarr and you might argue with me here a little bit but it you can say there's a bit of a recency bias to it considering they played one year right it's the flashy names yeah. And plus, also, with some cases, they chose multiple names from the same team, like mm-hmm. Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, Zach Wierenski, Seth Jones. Right. Yeah. True. Some teams were going to get bumped. Yeah. I don't see Matt Niskanen on that list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good reason. But anyways, um, keeping it real with this, it's – for me personally, I don't give two flying you-know-whats – about these lists, I think most of them are meant to create dialogue and discussion and just have people piss and moan about it. Like, does it suck that he's not on this list? Sure. You know, you you always want to see your guys make this list. But, like, I'm not going to sit here and gripe about it and be like, he deserves to be on this list. Like, why isn't Ivan Provorov on this list? Like, who cares, man? NHL Network obviously did this for a reason. It's to drum up discussion because... Lord knows there's no hockey going on right now. We need something to bitch about, so why not? And there's probably five other, at least five other guys that are in the same boat as Ivan Provorov. Exactly. So, yeah. You know, you know, that's, it is what it is. That is the first topic of discussion when we're going to keep it real here with the Flyers. The second, which is going to be my favorite. This is going to get hotter. This is going to get hotter. This is going to get a lot hotter, and I'm going to oh blow boy. my top here. Uh, the topic of... The scrimmages that Nolan Patrick has been taking part in. Which, awesome. Glad to see it. Somebody here needs to honestly convince me that this is what... Like, this is... I I don't even know what to say. Guys, please just take it while I form my thoughts here quick. (laughs) Well, I think what you're trying to say is you want someone to convince you that this means something more than you think it does. That, you stole the words right out of my brain. And it doesn't. It's really great that he's on the ice. It's really great that he's scrimmaging. These are non-contact scrimmages. Take a look at that roster. Most of those players are not NHLers. Or if they are, they're like every once in a while, they'll, they're in the NHL. But Travis Sanheim, John. Right. I know. <laughs> it was a dream team with those two on the scrimmage roster, apparently. Yeah, I know. I take steps. I can't help it. Um <laughs> But anyway, I just, it doesn't show tons of progress because it's like, yeah, okay, he can he can play the game with no contact. He can play the game against lesser competition. But what happens when he takes a hit? You know, I mean, I as someone who get migraines, I my migraines increase if I'm more physical. You know, if I fall down the basement stairs, there's a really good chance I'm going to mi- getting a migraine. If I walk from the kitchen to the the living room most likely not going to get a migraine so there's there's a difference there and i think that you know people want to be excited and want to see let me make this more than it is because we just don't know anything about nolan patrick we've been kind of like let the dark but nobody's approved him to play like no one has said like he can play full contact hockey yet so i don't know i i don't really put much stock into this what's your take nat like, are you encouraged by this? Are you indifferent? What's your thoughts? More so indifferent, but here's what I do have to say about the scrimmages. Nolan Patrick's scrimmages are the equivalent to Ben Simmons' workout videos. <laughs> they do right. nothing for me when it comes to 
analyzing them at the professional level. Right. They just don't. Like, I can watch an Olin Patrick in a scrimmage all day. Yeah, great. Please, please. I just want him healthy enough to get out there on the ice and play with the Flyers again. That is all I want, and I need to see more than a scrimmage in order to get, get that satisfaction. But it's been four, Nat. It's been four scrimmages. Four oh, well, scrimmages. That, he's been flying, that. He's I'm been not, flying. I'm, I'm having a terrible day because I'm wrong again, apparently. I know. I'm not being objective. <laughs> that's, that's my problem. I'm not being objective enough, oh. guys. Listen, any competitive hockey player at that level should be flying across the ice with no contact. And if he wasn't scoring four goals a game against that competition, especially with no contact, I'd be more concerned than anything else. Derek, go. You right. got it all. And you can see it in your face right now. I'm seething because I actually got into it with somebody on Twitter about this earlier this week. And you can fault me for not being excited about this. And that's your opinion. And that's it is what it is. I'm not going to say it's fine because it's not fine. But... The fact remains that this man has not played in the NHL for, what was it, 18 months? Something like that? This guy was the number two overall pick. And he, he damn well could have been the number one overall pick. I'm sure New Jersey did their homework. Maybe they knew this was going to happen. I don't know. Discussion for another time. Regardless, when the number two overall pick that we probably shouldn't have had to begin with isn't playing... I reserve the right to be pissed off because, one, again, given the issues with Nolan Patrick, I want there to be a full recovery. I want him to be healthy. I would never, ever wish harm on anybody. It doesn't matter what team, sport, any of that. But the fact remains, John mentioned, he has not been cleared. He is scrimmaging, non-contact. That's great. He apparently, according to some people, is dominating these scrimmages, that's to be expected. I don't expect to see if they're keeping stats. Oh, Nolan Patrick pitched in an assist here. One assist in a scrimmage that's not, there's no contact involved. Sorry if there remains to be, like, if there's more that I want out of that. You know, I want this guy scoring four goals and helping on two or three more. I want Nolan Patrick to be the number two overall pick that a lot of these other number two overall picks have been in the past. You know who else was a number two overall pick? Patrick Laine. You know what he's doing? He's scoring 30 to 40 goals a year. So excuse me for wanting there to be a little bit more and excuse me for being upset that he's not playing right now. So... right. I will not sit here and say that I'm excited about these. Like, until he gets back on the ice with the Flyers and is playing a full, maybe not a full 82-game slate, but to his best abilities, the amount of games that he can play in a year, I'm going to remain indifferent, borderline pissed off, because there's too many people putting too much stock into these, when really, what do these scrimmages tell you? That, oh, he can play in a non-contact scrimmage. Again, like I've said probably 30 times before, I could do that. Not saying I'd dominate like him. I clearly wouldn't. But he's essentially playing beer league games. Ridley Gregg is the best guy on the ice aside from him. Tra like, Don't get me wrong. I, I love Travis Sanheim. I think Ridley Gregg will be good, sure. But if those are the other top guys on the ice at the same time as Nolan Patrick... I want Nolan Patrick skating circles around every single one of those guys. No excuses. 
Well, and you've got these people where it's like, you know, obviously this is progress. And yes, the fact that he is playing some sort of hockey is better than if he was still stuck in bed with migraines all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just like having two nipples is better than having just these two bloody pus things on your chest. <laughs> like, yeah, you're in a better position because you have two nipples. But at the same time, like, is it that great? Like, who really cares? <laughs> what kind of analogy? Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. This head, man. I I, yeah. I just allow it to generate thoughts, and then I just go with it. I can't help it. But I hope everybody gets the, the, the analogy there. It's like, sure, it's better than option B. But option A isn't fantastic either. Now, let me also clarify real quick. So in this exchange, <laughs> I, was, I was much more level-headed in my exchange with this individual on Twitter. And my final words to him were, it is possible to say that this is a step in the right direction. But also not give a you-know-what. Right. Because quite frankly, I don't care that he's playing in these scrimmages. Is it a step in the right direction? Sure. But it is possible, and bear with me here because apparently some people don't think it is. You can say it's a step in the right direction but still not give you-know-what about it. Right. Am I wrong here? No. No, you're not wrong at all. Thank you. It's like, oh, so my, my mom didn't curse me out today. Oh, that's lovely. She didn't curse me out today, but she still clearly hates me. Like it, it's a it's a step in the right direction because I'm not getting cursed out, but at the same time, that tension's still there. Do you I have any like research right now, backing this statement, John? More than you should know, that you, <laughs> you want to know, brother. <laughs> anyway, I just got a little therapeutic there. Thank you very much <laughs> for that. Um, but, but no, like steps in the right direction are all relative. Like anything could be seen as a step in the right direction. Yeah, I put my pants on today. Step in the right direction. Right. I didn't scream at my kid when she annoyed me. Step in the right direction. Yeah, I didn't, you know, chastise my wife because she let the kid stay up an hour later than he should have, you know? Step, Step in the, in right, the direction. right direction. There right. we go. <laughs> yeah. my, I don't know. It, yeah. Go ahead, man. We could go on and on and on about this. My main point being, until I see him on the ice with the other guys that are playing and suiting up for the Flyers night in and night out, I'm just not going to be enthused. Agreed. Yeah. Anything else to add to that, Nat? I took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. All right. They are scrimmages. Tell them. They are. Non-contact. Right. Non-contact scrimmages. We get to another Non-contact. case where a lot of us tend to, uh, for lack of a better term, blow smoke up you-know-what with a lot of the prospects that these Flyers have been drafting in recent years. And hey, don't get me wrong. I love to hear that you know some fifth-round, sixth-round pick is going to end up being the next Wayne Gretzky. It's music to my ears. But let's take a step back here. And again, I'm going to defer here to John because John is our prospect guy. He's the prospect guy. Tell us a little bit about expectations, the rounds that these guys were picked in, and how we should kind of for lack of a better term, and to quote you, pump the brakes a little bit. So first of all, you need to look at every prospect this way. There are, what, 200, 210 picks a draft? Something like that? Whatever, I'm making up that number. There are hundreds and hundreds of players whose dream it is to be drafted and play in the NHL. Of those 200 picks each draft, a very small percentage of them have a long career in the National Hockey League. They were all really good at one level or another, and then they peaked. Derek knows all about that. They yeah, peaked. Absolutely. So 
when somebody gets drafted, regardless if it's the first round or the seventh round, you need to approach them realistically. You need to understand that the level that they play at is not the National Hockey League. You need to look at Canadian juniors one way. You need to look at the European leagues another way. You need to think about the other players on their roster. You need to think about competition that they go up against. And just enjoy progress that's being made without blowing out of proportion. So let me get this straight quick. Before you mention a name here, I'm going to throw out an example. Whether it's realistic or not, you can determine that. If If I'm a fan... Should I be excited about the fact that we have a prospect that has put up six goals and seven assists in ten games for the Halifax Mooseheads of the QMJHL? And he began there. In the the moment, if you have access to watch these games, yes. There's a difference between being excited and crowning this guy – you know, a quality player that's going to, you know, have a fantastic NHL career. When a prospect is playing well, you should be excited because you don't know how long it's going to last. Hopefully you can watch some of their games. And then you also get to really take in, okay, why are they playing well? Why are these numbers what they are? You know, I was able to watch a little bit of the Halifax game Two, I think it was like two games ago. I can't even remember who they were playing, but Denoye had like they were playing. I think they were playing Moncton. It looks like so his old team. Denoye had an assist, which added to his his great point total right now. But it was a secondary assist. Okay, he he had the puck in the offensive zone. He muscled off somebody who was trying to get him off the puck. He was able to kind of maintain possession, which was which is good. But he passed it to another guy on the point who then found the goal scorer. So when you look at that assist, you really need to go, okay, what does this really tell me about Denoye and his projection to be an NHLer? Not a whole lot. It doesn't really tell you a whole lot. And if that's if you view things like that and go, this guy's going to light it up in the NHL someday, I would love to have a longer conversation with you. Because your list of potential NHL studs must be a thousand names long. You know, because they're making plays in their developmental league doesn't mean that they're going to be stars in the NHL. You're you right. Know? There's no two ways about it. And on you, like, look at a guy like him and then look at a guy like Morgan Frost who completely lit up the OHL. And there's still question marks on whether or not he could do even half that at the professional level. Yeah. You know, I just want people to enjoy the progression these prospects are making without putting tons of pressure on them without making your expectations almost unreachable just enjoy it for what it is and if it turns into something more great that's a conversation we can have later on but for right now just view these guys as maybe gaining more attention than you expected because of the round they were in and then that be that but here here, here's an argument we could have you see the stats that Denoye is putting up and it's exciting everybody should be excited like you said live in the moment be happy about it are you then going to take that and argue that oh the Flyers got an absolute steal by drafting him in this round in retrospect obviously you could look at it that way but are you going to argue that like maybe he should have been taken in this round in the third round in the second round even no no I'm not because no because a string of how many games that he's played well 
10 it's such a so small sa- yeah it's such a small sample size mm-hmm. you know it, it there's no way that you can look at these 10 games and go oh he should have been a third rounder like no there was a reason why he was taken in the sixth round and it honestly probably has to do more with mechanics you know are things like i i truly don't know i'm just making up talking points that like I've heard other scouts say, and in, in my mind, I try to go through, like, has he kind of plateaued at where his skating is? Does the way he skates or the movements that he make, do they look like they can translate to the NHL? You know, are the plays that he's making that are producing offense, is that something that could realistically happen? You know, if you look at a guy who's scoring a bunch of goals with the cross goals, you know, in the junior leagues, mm-hmm. okay, they're not going to be able to do that all the time at a higher level. So it doesn't matter that they're putting up 35 to 40 goals a season. I think he was drafted where he was drafted because that's the kind of, you know, player he is at this point. That doesn't mean he can't turn into something, but it's way too soon to be like, oh, he should have been taken higher. We're looking at a guy that scored at a half a point per game pace last year with Moncton. You could argue, to my knowledge at least, Moncton had a pretty deep team last year as well. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Enjoy it while it lasts. Anything to add to this, Nat? I guess, you know, your knowledge of prospects, what you're looking at here with Desnoyers. It's mostly, mostly a generic question I have for you, John. When you t- when you analyze prospects, I don't know how deep you personally go into NHL drafts, but when you take a look at certain prospects who move up and down the draft, like they might move up quite a few spots and they might move down quite a few spots, how often, or I should say, What's like the average amount of spots, or dare I even say rounds, that players tend to move for one reason or another? Are we talking like generally only like a few spots, maybe like a dozen or two, or are we talking like entire rounds here? Well, I think one of the best examples, and I'm going to talk through examples, and I'm not sure exactly what round he was drafted in, but if you look up Antonio Stranges from the London Knights, Antonio Stranges was a projected first rounder. He was in, you know maybe just outside the first round his his skating was unbelievable at the beginning of the year they really thought this guy would go rounds one or two i believe he went in the fourth strangest was a fourth round pick by the dallas stars 123rd overall so to me that's a that's where like that's a big decline like i i was surprised to see that much of a decline like i would think more like a round or two and when you look at like the top I would even say probably like the first and second round, a lot of the guys who could have gone in the first round, they slide to the second round just because teams are drafting out of need and not necessarily best player available. So when you look at like maybe sliding 10 to 15 picks, that's not really a big deal. But if you're going from the first round possibly to the fourth, that's where you go, okay, this guy might have peaked already. So for somebody like Denoye, right? I think in order to like, I don't even know where I'm going with this. Completely <laughs> lost my train of thought. He but, deserved like, to be picked where Nat, he was, right? Uh, yeah, because like now I I view I look at more the first one to three rounds and pay attention to like who could should be drafted in those rounds that are falling because they have the most potential, right? Overall, right. right. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really pay much attention to the people who are outside of like the the top 65 to 70 on most rankings just because that it it completely gets blown all to hell as you get more deeper into the draft so if you're looking at somebody who should be on you know within those 31 picks 
and he's all of a sudden in the third round, right? To me, that I, I have more questions about that. But when you look at the later rounds, it's a complete crapshoot. Well put. I think uh, it's time to shift our focus from the queue to the OHL. And we're going to touch on this just real quick. We have our points to be made. The OHL made the announcement that this coming up season, they're going to start the season accordingly, but they're also going to not include body checking. You can argue whether it's a big part of the game or not. Nat has a good point to make, and I want to hear Nat's take on this first. So what do you think, Nat? So I am primarily the reason why they're getting rid of body checking is because of COVID, right? Of course. Mm -hmm. So I think it's for that being the reason. Completely understandable, number one. But number two, you have face-offs, and you're literally breathing on each other. So what is no body contact really going to do? At the same time, I'm not entirely against no body checking because, I mean – there are people – I mostly have problems with this argument for okay. people who are against it. And my problem with this argument is the people who say, you're getting rid of one-third of the game. That is the worst argument to support body checking because what is the point of a hockey game? To either score the most goals or let in the fewest goals. It's not about how many hits you have. Generally, when you have more hits in a hockey game, it means you're not possessing the puck as much, which is a bad thing. So – it's more so the reasoning behind why people support it or why people are against body checking or why I, I'm losing my train of thought because it's driving me nuts. Just people on both sides are driving me nuts with this whole thing. <laughs> and just the only argument that I understand is that Brian Boucher has an argument where if you get rid of body checking, then players are just going to move all over the place. We're going to see 12 goals a game for one team because nobody can land a body on one another. So this is just going to create problems for defensemen and goaltenders in the long run. You know, you do bring up a good point, Nat, but the, the reality is is physicality and body checking is a big part of hockey, right? I mean, I don't necessarily fall into that category like where it's, oh, you're getting rid of the third of the game. But when you view the OHL as a developmental league, right, any developmental league is to prepare you for the professional, the NHL. A lot of these players who are going to be in their draft eligible year, regardless if it should, if it's fair or not, they're going to be viewed differently because they're playing a different game. If you're, if you're not allowed to be touched in the way they typically would, man, that sounds really weird, but if you're not allowed to be touched in the way that you would typically in a, in a hockey game, it's going to change things. You're not going to be able to develop in the way you typically would. You know, so if I'm looking at, you know, if I'm a scout at the for any NHL team, I'm looking at the OHL and my viewings are going to be skewed. You know, you're going to look at this guy and he's going to be completely carving up the team and it's like, "Well, you know what? No, but nobody could put a hand on him." Good so, point. regardless if it's that fair, if it's fair or not, that is what's going to happen. And I really feel for the 2021 draft class for so many different reasons, but especially the people who are stuck in the OHL because this is going to be work used against them. Good points. I, I think both of you made good points. At the end of the day, yes, body checking is a part of the game. It's going to be tough to judge these prospects without a part of the game. Again, not going to say it's a third of the game. It's this, that, you know. But the fact remains, it is still a part of the game, and it's tough to judge these guys off of whatever fraction of the game they're going to be left with without trying to cut this short, unless you guys have any more points to make here when it comes to uh, the body checking ban. 
Uh, one more, yeah, actually, yes, the OHL season isn't going to happen if they don't allow body checking. Bold right point. now, it's, they're having conversations. I truly don't think that it will happen if the government, the provincial government stays, you know, stands pat on the no body checking. And that's my claim. So you think the players are just going to strike with that? or No, I just think that the OHL is going to decide, hey, you know what, we... The, the season just can't happen because like you mentioned before Nat, it brings up so many more concerns it goes okay so we've eliminated body checking what about face-offs what about after goal celebrations what about you know battles in the corner are they just not going to exist like there's so many more aspects of the game that are going to be questioned based off the reason why they're eliminating it for covid clearly right are you not going to be able to battle in the crease I mean, think right. of how the closeness you know, and the proximity of the players in the crease. So I think it's just going to turn into a mess. And if if they can't escape this, I just don't think that they're going to have a season. You probably can't do a bubble either because a lot of these kids, I mean, what's the right. age range? 14 to 21? Yeah. For the Canadian Junior Leagues? I mean, like these 14 is, no, 14 would be very, very young. It's more 16, 16. to 21. I mean, these... They're still kids. Right. Like, they're still living with their parents. Well, and then you have this idea, right? And, I mean, the Western Hockey League also has this, but they have a full division in the U.S. The OHL has three U.S. teams. There's border issues. Are you going to bring them into Canada for the season? What are you going to do about billet families? You know, are Canadian kids going to want to come into the United States? There's just so many extra hurdles with this, too. That it'll be interesting. And then you have the Memorial Cup at the end of the year. What are you just going to say that the Memorial Cup is no contact because of what's going on in the OHL? Very good point. That's a good question. All right. Well, without going further into it, John's made his point. Shut the hell up. Um, We're going to get to Nat's inaugural Pod Street pop-off. I've got my topics. I don't know if John has a couple that he wants to add as well. He doesn't. Of course he doesn't. Do your research next time, you <laughs> schmuck. Uh, anyways, Nat, I am about to start the clock once I pull the stopwatch up. Are you ready to go? Let's do it. You are on the clock. The first topic, homesick versus what separates me from you. What separates me from you is the perfect album by a day to remember. Look, homesick is still really good. <laughs> homesick is still really good. What separates me from you just takes it to the next level. So, I'm sorry. What separates me from you, that takes the cake. Sorry, homesick. You're wrong. But anyways, next topic, Kanye West. Kanye West. Oh, my God. There are so many things I can say about Kanye West. As could for, most of for us. Better and, for better and for worse. I mean, I was originally going to vote for him, and then I remembered how crazy he was. Every video, I just kept watching him. It's like he's just getting crazier and crazier. I mean, who knows? You could argue that makes him the perfect politician. Fair <laughs> so point. Kanye West, I'm not, Kanye West uh, he lost my vote. All right. Well, that's one less vote for Kanye. Next topic, the United States Postal Service. Oh, my God. They're so incompetent. So I ordered a flyer, Tony, and they lost it. They lost it. So I had to order another one and I had to have them reship it. And then on top of this... There was something else that I ordered, and they sent it to the wrong zip code. It was off by one digit, and they sent it to a town that's an hour away from me. So they shipped it there first, and now they shipped it here to where I live in Philly, 
and I'm not sure. Like, I have to go to the post office, get it from them. But I'm gonna even. I'm not even sure if they're even gonna give it to me because of the wrong digit in the first place. So, USPS. The. All right, you're at a minute forty-five. Next topic is James Harden to Philadelphia. Eh. I'm not entirely against it. My thing with James Harden to Philadelphia is just like you're gonna. I mean, Houston is gonna take. You know, chump change for him. It's James Harden. So, who are you going to trade? Are you going to trade Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons and another piece on top of that? Like, what are you going to have to get rid of to bring this guy in? So, I'm not entirely against it, but you know, if you bring him in, you're going to have to make a lot of sacrifice for him. So, Sixers fans, if you're listening, don't get your hopes up too much. Probably not listening because this is a Flyers podcast. But anyways... Dallas Cowboys callers on 97.5 Sunday morning. <laughs> Should have saved this for if last. You, <laughs> if you're a Cowboys fan, and if you call into the show. I'm listening. If you're if you're appropriate and if you're respectable, I will let you on. But if you call into the show and call the people I work for delusional because we're objectively analyzing the game and we're objectively analyzing both teams, and if you call us delusional take a look at who you have for your starting quarterback coming up this game oh and also your team gives up the most amount of points in nfl histories and the last team to give up as many points as your current team was the 1966 new york giants fake news last topic (laughs) the worst halloween costume the worst halloween costume in your opinion was the worst halloween costume Anything topical. So, Halloween costumes that are based on current memes are pretty bad. I've <laughs> seen one a notch above that. Uh, if I see anyone else dressed up as Joe Exotic, Joe Exotic was a thing back in March. It was funny at first. We're in October now. Like, if Joe Exotic was a thing that happened a month ago, great. Perfect Halloween costume, but it's too old now. Um, a notch above that is... Uh, just having a piece of paper on your chest and say 404 costume not found come up with a better idea please like as much as I have a problem with Joe Exotic costumes yeah I kind of like that actually oh no no (laughs) you have 45 seconds (laughs) so many people dressed up as Wednesday Adams this year and I don't know it just came out of nowhere all of a sudden everyone's an Adams family fan now before I would never see Wednesday Adams costumes and they are everywhere so that's those are some of my nominees for the worst Halloween costumes I can keep going I've got 25 seconds I thought it was Thursday no I'm not even kidding I actually her name is not Tuesday it's Wednesday damn it alright discounting John's comment you have 20 more seconds another another bad Halloween costume uh I like Michael Myers he's one of my favorite horror movie villains but you need more than just the mask. I'm sorry. Don't go as Michael Myers for Halloween. And that's and that. that's time. Perfect. That was perfectly timed. I'll give you a lot of credit for that because a lot of ours either end early or John cuts me off because he's a jerk. No, that was, I think, as a first pop-off, that was very well put. You popped off well, Nat. You popped Thank off. You. I appreciate it, gentlemen. We popped your pop-off, Cherry. You are officially part of PSB. And with that being said... We're going to end another episode. So, John, 
let the folks know who are listening where they'll be able to find us. Before I do that, I have one thing to say. One, uh, here and we I'm go. sorry, gentlemen. I'm sorry, gentlemen. I just have to do it. Jesus. Something big is coming up this week. Oh, it's Lord. something that most of us cannot wait to be over. I am asking you. I am begging you, regardless of what the result is. Make sure John doesn't call nice. me. Be oh. nice. No, be oh. nice to people. I thought you were talking like, about our weekly phone stop. call. Oh, no. <laughs> stop just beating people over the head because their politics are different than you. This is part of the reason that our country is a dumpster fire. Because, yes, our politicians suck, but we also have been sucking. We don't know how to be nice to each other anymore. So instead of just ripping each other to shreds, I don't care if you're telling me to shut up. I instead of ripping each other to shreds, just keep your damn mouth shut if you don't agree with someone. Just just try to be nice, please. I can't handle this crap anymore where we're just nasty to one another. So if you don't have anything nice to say, just shut the F up. Thank you. This has you're been welcome. Pod Street Politics signing off. Anyways... <laughs> Agreed. I should have done like the NPR boy. Hi, I'm John Gove for National Pod Street Bullies Radio. Today in politics. <laughs> NPSB. Be nice to one another. <laughs> All right. Anyway, you Back can to the find hockey. us on your your different, your various uh, podcast receptacles. Love that They word. are iHeart. No, that, what would I say? iHeart Radio. iHeart Radio. Apple, Apple Podcasts. Podcasts. There you go. Why are. Why? Do you want Why me to hold your hand through this? Because they changed no, it. No, I don't. I want to stumble. I want to stumble. I need right. to stumble in order to, to walk. I want to watch this you is like my, my non-contact scrimmage. All right? <laughs> this is my non-contact scrimmage. There you go. Spotify, um, Stitcher, Anchor. We've got a nice new commercial, right, that we, we did for Anchor? We have the Anchor That's commercial cool. that aired um, at the beginning of the episode. And my new favorite, Radio Public. What there up, Radio Public? Yes, sir. Can get me a t-shirt? And yeah. could we please get me a KY not jersey? Stop stalling on this, Nat. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Christ. Why not? Hard to find. Why not? Right. Let's get John a Cam Why Not jersey. <laughs> Nat, let the folks know where they can find you, my friend. All right. You can find me at Nat underscore Marlowe on Twitter. Uh, Instagram, if you really want to follow me there. I don't really post a whole lot of sports up on there anymore. But I'm pretty sure it's the same thing. Nat underscore Marlo. Uh, I'm a producer at 97.5 The Fanatic. If you actually want to hear me over there as opposed to just screening your calls, uh, I'm a producer for the Tyrone Johnson Show every uh, Saturday from 9 to noon. And then you can also hear me producing for other personalities like d Lineham and Joe Torrey on the weekends as well as Tyler Zuli. All right. Folks, that has been it for the Pod Street Bullies. I'm Derek. You can find me on Twitter at Pod Street Bob. John on Twitter at Postry Gove. Nat just told you where he can find you. This has been the Postry Bullies, and I will leave you as I always have left you with a Let's Go Flyers. Bye now. <laughs>